What is up, guys? Chappie here. Thanks for listening to Chaps Fancy Chat with Chappie. Brought to you by DrRoto.com. Get all your daily dis- prescription of fantasy sports at DrRoto.com. Um, you know, I, it, it's kind of been an interesting week. It's um, it's funny because now's the time of year you you have you know you have um, the NBA finals are over, so you have like this short attention span before people start getting into football. And well, most people already are in football, but like if we could just grab your attention for you know this next month, that we can really you can make impactful decisions that are going to help you win your league. I'm here to help with that. So I hope you guys, you know, continue to tune in and listen to what I have to say, because if you do, if you listen to how I approach this and you stick with it down the stretch, if you're within striking distance, you have a chance. So tonight we're going to, you know, um, (laughs) we're going to do some stock rising and some stock falling for the second half. We're going to do some fab grab bag. And, uh, you know, I always, as always, kind of like to start out with current events, a couple really interesting things. Um, Nelson Cruz, it's not often to get to break news. Nelson Cruz just got traded. Um, if you're just, you know, getting off work or whatever, <coughs> traded to Tampa Bay for um, two minor leaguers, uh, their 10th prospect and their 17th prospect. That really is um, an impactful move and kind of, I think, a strategy for you know, the raise to um, get ahead of the competition and set the bar for what, what you know, some of these other teams in the East in particular are going to have to do. Um, I feel feel like they sense the Yankees coming on, and they also sense that the Red Sox aren't going away. Um, so, and that's not even really speaking of, of t- t- Toronto, who's going going to be starting at the Rogers Center, um, their next homestand. So, you know, they went out and got Nelson Cruz. He'll fit nicely in the middle of that lineup. Didn't have to overspend for him. Uh, I guess, you know, Austin Meadows has been playing a lot at DH. It looks like that moves him out to the outfield again. And um, But it, it's really good lineup protection. So you look at that core, that middle of that lineup, Meadows, Arizona, and now – uh, Cruz, you're talking about a pretty impactful uh, three, four, five combo, and it'll be interesting to see what the rest of the league does to um, to to come back to that. So that's one big piece of the current event that I felt like we needed to discuss. The other one <clears throat> kind of threw up a little bit in my mouth. Putting this White Sox shirt on tonight, but you know, <laughs> swing three zero. Uh, the swing three zero man, Yerman Mercedes is back after a very brief hiatus. Thought it was handled really well by Tony Larusa. Larusa is quick to get um, talk smack about among the baseball community for whatever reason. I, I, as a Cubs fan, um, I, I like La Russa, and I always have respected the way he has uh, approached the game. So I love that he went out and, you know, basically gave the man a shot in the arm when he needed it, you know, when he, te- or whatever, Instagrammed, 
and said that he he's retiring. You know, Larusa, I I thought was really um, acted as a leader in a way that a coach should, saying, "Hey, you got a lot of major league ball in front of you. Don't retire." So I, I love this story. Um, I wish the young man luck. I hope he comes back. And that's again coming from a ex Cubby fan. Anyway, um, I do want to talk about some stats because it's going to be important when you start looking at smaller sample size to put things in perspective to the larger sample size, right? So fun stats. Did you know only three players in the MLB have an OPS of over 1,000? Only three. Vlad Guerrero at 1.105, Shohei Otani at 1.040, and Fernando Tatis at 1.024. That's it. Now, there's 20 total MLB players with an OB, OPS, OPS over 900. It's an interesting group. Among those names, you know, Max Muncy, 993, kind of gives you the some perspective on how good of a year he's had. Um, one that I feel like will join that upper group is Juan Soto, 935 OPS. I really do feel like this is a guy who is going to have a huge second half of the year. Brandon Crawford, interestingly, at 909. Justin Turner at 900. <clears throat> Over the last 15 games, this is what I'm drilling down to. Juan Soto, his OPS is 1.632. AJ Pollock is 1.603, and Mookie Betts is 1.528. All in all, there's 29 players over 1.000 in the last 15 games. Now, I know what you're saying, small sample size. I get it. But it's the timing of the sample size. 53 players, so 29 players compared to three. 53 players over 900 OPS compared to, I forget what it was, 20-something, 20, 20, doesn't matter, or over 900. This is from the pitching change, from the use of spider, the, not being able to use spider tech. Now I'm going to go ahead and predict something. I'm going to predict this pitchers start cheating again. Because it's kind of like a mouse getting cheese. You see where the umpires are checking. The pitchers are just going to start going to different parts of the body. I think that's why you're starting to see these pitchers, you know, the Garrett Coles of the world, the um, – Lucas Giolito's of the world. I, I don't know. I, I didn't think Lucas Giolito was cheating. I think he just had a couple couple bad games. Anyway, let, let's move on. 
again, I'll, I'll try to pick out an interesting stat, put it in perspective. So the inflated OPS averages over the past half a month are partly due to sample size. I absolutely am not denying that whatsoever. My point is it is inflated in comparison to the rest of the season. And I think you'll continue to see that, except for in a few cases where pitchers are able to kind of do the smoke and mirrors tricks where they can get the grips. So let's talk about stock rising. First player I want to talk about, Juan Soto. I, I, I just, I can't say enough how impressed I was with him at the, at the home run derby. Um, 301, 16 homers, 62 runs, 54 RBIs, and five stolen bases. Four homers in five days, I think that's right. I don't know. I've lost track. Um, you know, he was the first person I thought of when I came up with this bit because, you know, you think about his approach at the plate, it's very mature. It's um, very refined. And Washington is really their, their second-half team. Um, you know, everybody remembers two years ago how hot they got to um, to win the World Series that year. Now it might be a little tougher this year if they don't get Scherzer back. But this is a team, you know, who could potentially – Pose a lot, a big threat to anybody in the National League. If Scherzer comes back, excuse me, if Schwarber comes back, if Strasburg comes back, and Bell, you know, nobody's really talking about him, is really starting to pick it up in Schwarber's place. So if you could get those three guys going with Turner, I think you got something going in Washington. I really like what Juan Soto brings to the table, you know, and everybody kind of thinks he's had a down year. He is second in the league in OBP at 424. Vlad is the only one who's better at 434. And I got to be honest with you, I don't see it staying that way. I, I see Soto jumping past him quick at the rate he's going. You know, people haven't really talked about this either. Josh Bell's been working in the outfield for Washington. And I think that, you know, he I get they said I think he hadn't played there since 2015, 2016, one of those years. Um, but if you think about the kind of year Ryan Zimmerman's having, if they can get Zimmerman and Bell on the field at the same time, I think that's very advantageous. To, uh, to the Washington Nationals offense um, for the rest of the season. So I look for that to happen sooner rather than later. And this offense is going to be rather formidable. And Soto's going to score a lot of runs. He's going to drive in a lot of runs in this second half. Pete Alonso, You know, and again, I, I know I'm kind of cherry-picking these home run derby guys. 
258, 19 homers, 43 runs, and 53 RBIs. I feel like we saw the best version of Pete Alonso at the Home Run Derby. Just bebopping around, enjoying himself, having a good time, hitting the ball hard. I think he feeds off of that energy and really manifests it into a great second half. So, you know, he's another one of these guys whose stock is going up for me. And again, it has everything to do with the fact that he's loose. He's loose at the plate. He's confident in what he does. He doesn't have to swing hard to hit the home run. And the biggest factor is the Mets need him. The Mets need him to be good in the second half. They're talking about going out and getting Chris Bryant. It's not going to help them a whole lot if they get Chris Bryant if Pete Alonso has a subpar second half. They've spent too much money in flushing for Pete Alonso to bust out. I just don't think it happens. Again, I think you have a 40-homer guy here, uh, definitely 100 ribbies and close to 100 RBIs. I think the 258 stands steady, stands pretty pat. So, you know, that's a guy I'm firmly buying in the second half. Another guy I'm buying in the second half, Max Muncy. Max Muncy is one of the most overlooked players in the majors. 275, 22 home runs. 275, Max Muncy. 58 runs, 59 RBIs. He's fifth in the majors in OPS at 986. He's third in OBP at 416. And 275 would be his career best batting average. He's currently on pace to score 100 runs and 100 RBIs for the first time ever in his career. Max Muncy's having a breakout year, and nobody's talking about him because of the star-studded lineup. Well, that's not true. They're talking about him. He's not getting the notoriety that he would in, say, in Atlanta or a, a Tampa Bay or another, you know. Everybody's talking about a lot of other players in Los Angeles. Max Muncy's usually the fourth or fifth player that gets mentioned. He's arguably having the best year of any Dodger, I guess is my point. Matt Olson, another home run derby guy, 291. Matt Olson, 25 homers, 63 runs, 63 RBIs, three stolen bases. For Matt Olson. He had three stolen bases coming into the season. He's doubled his stolen base total this year. 
boy, this guy, you want to talk about a breakout year. He seems to um, really be comfortable and confident at the plate. He's really hard to jam up. And in all honesty, he's a complete ball player. He's a good defensive first baseman. Really doesn't get the notoriety he deserves because he plays out in Oakland. Since July 1st, 15 games, he's hitting 303. OPS of 1.121 with five homers. But from June 1st on, he's hitting 329. That's 41 games. I think Matt Olson gets north of 300 this year and stays there the rest of the season. You're looking at a sleeper MVP candidate in Oakland, especially if they sneak up and get a playoff spot. Olson's underrated, guys. We could see this for the next seven or eight years out of Matt Olson. All right, one more stock rising. Charlie Morton. Eight and three, a 369 ERA, 105 innings pitched, and a 122 to 36 K to walk rate. 1.12 whip. But here, here's the fun stat here. Over the past 30 days. Only three pitchers have 40-plus strikeouts. Robbie Ray, Garrett Cole, and Charlie Morton. 45 for Ray, 41 for Cole, 40 for Morton. That's it. Everybody else has under 40 in the past month. In fact, his 287 ERA is better than Cole's over that time. Former teammates, 2.87 to 356. He's allowed less homers, three to five, and he's walked fewer than Garrett Cole over the last month. Ten to twelve is the walk total. No one's talking about Charlie Morton. All right, guys, stock falling. Not you know, and these are kind of one. I guess one's legitimate; the other two are. Kevin Gosman's my stock falling. I worry about him just a little bit. Just because I, I feel like they might want to limit him in the second half for a presumed playoff run. And I look for them to go out and try and get another workhorse a la uh, Kyle Gibson or someone along that line. To rest Gosman for the playoffs. He is too important. Well, specifically Gosman and Dee Sclafini. Those two guys are very important to what the, the, the Giants can do in the playoffs. They have the best record in the majors right now, mind you. I just, from his perspective, I think from a rest and general safety for the long run, perspective. 
these other two guys stock falling. I don't really want to talk about it a whole lot. I don't know. I don't know when Trevor Bauer pitches again. Um, in this day and age, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to get political. I'm not. It, it, it's really tough to overcome that type of allegation. Um, and restore confidence within society in general. Real or not, I, I feel like, and you know, the the, the serious thing for me, um, the fact that all of the all of his teammates basically unfollowed him on Twitter kind of tells me um, that they're speaking, they're speaking up and speaking out saying they don't want him. And that's it puts them in a tough position because they spent a whole lot of money on him. I, I, it'll be interesting to see how they handle this moving forward. Um, but I don't – if if I'm a Trevor Bauer owner, I'm, I'm very concerned um, about when he comes back and at what capacity. And, and the last guy, you know, I, it's funny. I kind of did a um, archive – search history on Adolis Garcia as as early as two weeks ago um they were still calling him the rookie of the year front runner in the in the um in in the American League they were they were still um you know talking about him as a um, as an all-star candidate and you know just positive general things about Adolis Garcia 263, 22 homers, 44 runs, and 62 RBIs to go with eight stolen bases. Sounds really good. But, again, when you start looking at this in quadrants from July 1st, he's hitting he's hitting 224 with just two homers and seven RBIs. Is he falling off? I I don't know. I don't know on that. This is a tough one. I, I would say this: if you own Adolis Garcia and he gets on a little hot streak, I'd be trying to sell off on him and get something for him because he was worth his weight in gold, a, you know, a month ago, and now he's very much Yermi Mercedes material, where he might not be in the major leagues. In a month. I, yeah, that's unlikely. I get it. But just, you just don't know. The grab, the fab grab bag this week is a little sparse. And, and I say that because I always like to, to kind of get, get the guys that we, we want to consider for next week. And it's just, this is a tough week to do that. Um, the one guy that I don't have anything written down for, but I feel like, could benefit Brandon Marsh um, in LA certainly seems to be uh, he's gotten a lot of prospect notoriety but if you're in a shallower league or you have a shallow bench Brandon Marsh is someone who could be a middle of order type of bat um, could give you all five categories in fantasy <clears throat> and, and you know I Honestly, playing time shouldn't be a problem for him as long as um, he produces because he is that prospect ilk 
that um, you know they they want to see what they have. It'll be interesting interesting to see what happens um, in LA because obviously Chad's going to come back at some point, and Upton sure had a, a really good first half until he got injured. If, if Upton and Chad come back. Um, they, they might have to bring Adele up here in the next week or so um, just to kind of cover, um, you know, some at-bats and stuff. If Adele and Marsh both come up and produce, and then Upton and um, Trout, of course, come back fully healthy, it'll be interesting to see what happens in that outfield suddenly getting crowded, um, you know. So it's, it's a good problem to have in L.A. I think they're sneaking up on making a run here. And no one's really talking about it. Um, I, I watched Josiah Gray the other night, and his stat line wasn't overly impressive, but his stuff was. I'm not sure what their plan is with Gray, but whatever it, you know, he got this moniker of the best arm in the organization a couple years back. And you could see it the other night. His slider isn't um, isn't a it's not a wipeout slider. It's more of a knee buckler type slider, but it breaks hard, and it looks a lot like the fastball. The fastball comes in mid to high nineties, and he you know he has a little bit of trouble with the home run, but when he works on a little bit more refinement with his command, you can see the potential of this kid being great. If Again, if you're in a league and you have a chance to stash a keeper-type player, Josiah Gray is someone who you really need to look at. The last guy I want to talk about that I'm going to jump off here, Tuki Tassan. And I went back and forth because I've been a Tuki fan since he was drafted, really. Um, and he's been really good, and he's been really bad. Looked really good the other night. And I feel like he's finally started to mature and grow into that role. But I'm still skeptical. And I got a feeling a lot of people are going to spend a lot of their fab budget on two keys a summer. While I like him, I don't think I'll spend enough money to get him. But that doesn't mean I won't cheer for him. All right, guys, my time's up. Thanks for listening to Chaps Fantasy Chat with Chappie. Check out all our other content, season one TFS tools, as well as our premium access to our staff for all your fantasy sports questions in the member-only Discord right here at drrodeo.com. Um, Randall and I will be off tonight, but we'll be back next week. Hope you guys enjoyed. Talk soon. Good night.